Peace, y'all. This is Open Mike Eagle, and this episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN. There's a ton of VPN providers out there. You probably heard of a couple of them. You may have even used a VPN before. I use them because I like to stream video content that is sometimes restricted via location. So to get around that, I use a VPN, and ExpressVPN is the best one on the market. Firstly, ExpressVPN doesn't log your data. A lot of the other companies out there make money by selling your data to ad companies. Second is speed. I've tried a couple VPNs in the past to slow your connection down and make it sluggish. The last thing is that ExpressVPN is easy to use. Unlike other VPNs where you have to log in and set this and do that, on ExpressVPN, you press connect and you're in. So to protect yourself with the VPN that I use and trust, use my link expressvpn.com slash what today and get an extra three months free on a one year package. That's expressvpn.com slash what. Visit expressvpn.com slash what to learn more. And this is a very, very special episode of what had happened was the penultimate episode is only one more remaining. And on this episode, we talk to Mr. Prince Paul about my favorite De La Soul album, Balloon mind state. While we only have a couple episodes left of what had happened was we have a whole podcast network we just started called Stony Island Audio, of which what had happened was as a part, also super duty tough work with Blueprint and Illogic, and we're announcing a new show this week. We're bringing on the Dad Bod Rap Pod. I'm Damone Carter. I'm Nate LeBlanc. I'm David Moss. Hey, Stony Island, we are the Dad Bod Rap Pod. Three men of a certain age that get together every week to argue about rap shit. You know, I feel like I've been approaching a Stony Island basically my whole life, and we're very happy to be part of this new venture. Um, what you can expect from us is a kind of chat and interview show on hip hop, new and old. We feature exclusive evergreen interviews with cats like The Last Poets, Arm & Hammer, Atmosphere, Easy Mo B, and other luminaries. And this is what you can expect from the Dad Bod Rap Pod. New episodes every Thursday. Really happy to be a part of the Stony Island Network. If you like hip hop, you will enjoy our program. We are the Dad Bod Rap Pod. So if you're down with what had happened was make sure you peep out the rest of the programming on the Stony Island Audio Network. We got hip hop based programming from people who really know what the hell they're talking about just for you. And if you peep it out and you dig it, like it, rate it, review it, all of that fun stuff, it really, really does help. Thank you for listening. And here is what had happened was. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. This is Open Mike Eagle recording live from the internet. Y'all know me, though. Y'all heard my voice for a long, long time. So this time I'm coming back at you, but I'm not coming alone. The Black Prince? Could I be right? I brought the legendary Prince Poo-Poo-Poo-Poo. Is that world-famous disc jock, inventor of the skit in hip-hop, and damn, we won a Grammy with Chris Rock, yeah. Motherfucking yacht, selling down a motherfucking harbor, right? Chilling down a motherfucking Interview the man from here in computer land I'm asking him questions on behalf of the super fans Yeah, cause I'm one And the answers are for everybody He got stories so I asked for one We having fun and laughs cause he has a ton Yeah, and like that a podcast begun Cause he answered well What had happened was Good evening, good afternoon, good day, folks. My name is Open Mike Eagle, and this is What Had Happened Was, where we discuss the career and legacy of our every week guest, the one and only. We'll get back into it in one second, but I need to take a quick moment and shout out our sponsor, DistroKid. Man, so many of my homies use DistroKid. It's a music distribution service that makes distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keeping 100% of their royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to put their music on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. A million plus artists, and I swear I know at least 100 of them. And now DistroKid has an app. You can use the app to upload new releases, see your DistroKid bank, and get notified when you've earned royalties. You can even check your streaming stats 
live. The DistroKid app is now available on iOS. Go to the App Store and download it. DistroKid also has a new feature called Instant Share that allows you to easily share large files securely with collaborators, producers, booking agents, managers, playlist curators, and more. Basically, anybody that needs access to your music, there's an easy way to upload it and send them a link. Go to distrokid.com slash instant share, drag and drop your files to upload, and then you can copy and send your link right there. It's free to send one gigabyte of files. That's like 100 MP3s. Don't quote me on that. Go to distrokid.com slash open mic. That's distrokid.com slash open mic. O-P-E-N-M-I-K-E for 30% off your membership. Mr. Prince Paul. That's who I am. That's who I be. Oh, oh, oh he gave y'all a teaser. Oh, that's exciting. And I'm particularly excited to talk about that song because I'm particularly excited to talk about this project. Today, we discuss one of your awesome collaborations with De La Soul. We discuss the third album in the catalog, mm-hmm. Balloon Mind State. Third album. My third and last third album I've worked with Don De La Soul. And last. The last home run y'all hit together. Oh. Together. Good times. Good times, good rhymes. It sounds like good times and good rhymes. We've discussed some projects in here that seem like they were created in darker times. All of them are created in darker times, man. <laughs> really, if you think about the one thing that's consistent is, man, I felt this or I felt that. It was There's never one where I'm like, oh, man, everything's so good. I had a buddy in my pocket. I was dating a model. <laughs> Two models. Wow. You well, know. you know, it sounds like. Your music is feelings oriented, but that seems like it creates great results. It's therapeutic. It is. So, you know, y'all are coming off De La Soul is Dead, which is the, the second album. And where is the group mindset wise? The album's called Balloon Mind State, but where is the group mindset wise coming off of De La Soul is Dead and starting to work on this new project? Well, Obviously, being the third record in, everybody's a lot more mature. Mm-hmm. Their expectations are are different than, than before. Just to set the scene a little bit, how old are they coming into this one, if you had to estimate, you, you know, yourself included, because you're only a little bit older than them. Well, what year did this come out? This was 93 when it came out. 93? I was probably like 26. Okay. So they're like 26, 27, okay. around there. I don't know. I was born in 67. Do the okay. math. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I said you do the math. No, no, I refuse, sir. <laughs> They're doing it out there. Yeah, yeah see, black people of math, it, 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 does it, it, does it, it doesn't work well. Yeah, yeah. 26, though. You're 26 then. And that seems to be like, that's probably a big change because y'all were like teenagers. You know, they were teenagers. You were a little bit older than them. I felt old at that point. It's funny. You, you say my age, like looking back as an older gentleman, I'm like, I was, you know, I was a baby. But, yo, I felt I was weathered. Yeah, because you had been through a couple Stetsasonic albums, a couple De La Soul albums. You've had some serious industry experience at that point. Yeah, I was going on 10 years in because I joined Stet probably like in 83, 84. Right, and this is 93 now. Yeah, so yeah, yeah I was I was, I was vet. Mm-hmm. Basketball years. <laughs> <laughs> right? You was long in the tooth for yeah, basketball. Man. <laughs> and you know, hip-hop years is way worse than yeah. any of the dog years. I was right. like a thousand years old to the, to the audience, so... Huh. So what kind of statement were you looking to make with this album? Just well, even aside from the group. The albums went as, as such. Like the first album, Three Feet Night Rise, and I was super duper hands on because my whole intention for making any of these records was to me to start them off and they make from that point on, I just do the first album, they do all the other albums themselves. So with that being said, as the albums went on, I was more hands off. Mm-hmm. The second one was more of everybody says so. First one, I was like, you do this, you do this, you do this. Though we did share making the music together on all of them. And then by the time it got to the third one, I was just kind of guiding and helping. It's almost like probably LeBron James in his early years. Mm-hmm. He listened to the coach, but right. then after a while, now he's like, he coaches himself. Right, basically. <laughs> and everybody else. So they were LeBron James at this point. You know what I'm saying? Right. I, I was just there kind of right. just, all right, guys, let's get it together. <laughs> That's the voice I use. All right, guys. <laughs> let's get out there and win. <laughs> let's yeah, man. We got, a, we got a big game tonight. <laughs> and that was me on Balloon Mind State. Musically, though, 
This feels very ambitious, like production wise. This album don't sound like nothing else. You know what I mean? I think it's very mature. I think it's very mature too. You know, very I, mature I, sounding record. And that's not only in that it's infused with jazz in a way that's not just like we're cutting up jazz samples and rhyming on them. You know, it's not loopy. It's like infused with jazz. Like you have multiple instances of like, you know, horn players playing like what well, it sounds like we're recorded live. Oh, yeah. Horns. Yeah. yeah. It's Maceo Parker and Fred Wesley. We used the JBs. Yeah. Like the original JBs. Exactly. Drummer and everything. The so, drummer too. What? Okay. I didn't know that. Man, look, we, we didn't play around. And that was me making calls. That was me making calls and, and trying to get the connect. And because I know... Me and Pops was listening to Maceo Parker, I forgot the album, but it was a, a red album that he had put out during that time. And the beats and everything was dope. It was mm-hmm. like, yo, we can get Maceo Parker. Okay. And Paul, you know, being, I was uh, the mentor, I always felt, I'll get him, right. watch. You know what I'm saying? Like anything they wanted, I, and I'm going to make happen. Like, I'm a, like Paul. a producer. Yeah, yeah, I was a producer. I mean, by every sense of the word, to make that happen. So that's what we got. It was like, we're going to get Macy so, and so, Fred Wesley. So you and Pops were listening to that at the time. Yeah. Like, yeah. And was Dave too? At that time, I think me and Pops dialogued more than everybody else. I see. So, you know, it, it usually went through me and him first and then everybody else collectively. But a lot of times it was just conversations with him and I. Mm-hmm. And that kind of helped shape the sound of the record in a lot of ways. Yeah, I would say on this third record, conversations with him and I would kind of shaped a lot. But then there was a, a lot of production from everybody. You know what I'm saying? Maceo did on Ego Trip. You know okay. what I'm saying? And there was great songs on that. You right. know, and, and Maceo did the beat to Ego he Trip? Did, he did the beat. Okay, wow. You know, and so it, it was me just wrangling it and putting it together. You know what I'm saying? Okay, you got the idea, whatever the case is. You know, here comes Paul. It's funny, talking about Ego Trip, not to skip around, but I remember it's like, okay, man, okay, we're going to put this together, we're going to do this, da, da, da. I want to put the vocals through a phaser. Uh-uh. And they're looking at me like, one, like, what's a phaser? <laughs> and then when it was done, they, yeah, I could tell they were all excited. I'm like, yo, what's Nobody's done that with rap records. Listen to it. It's like phasing in and out the vocals, which now sounds to me is brilliant. It's cool. Yeah. It works with the with the song. But it, it was like things like that with my producer hat on, mm-hmm. you know. But a lot of those things, it was a good collaboration of, of everybody. But somebody would would at this point, since everybody had equipment uh-huh. and they had their pre-production students at the house, a lot of the songs were beyond skeletons. It's like, right. yo, I got this. And we all listen to it. Yo, okay, let's use that and let's put it on there. And then, like I said, I do something like put a phaser on or right. whatever, but it wasn't hardcore production. It sounds, you know, for it to be done that way and for everybody to have been providing ideas, it sounds very cohesive. Yeah, that's part of them being around for a while and being with each other. And that's part of the job as the producer, you know what I'm saying? Not to pat myself on my on the back, but is to make it sound as though it belonged together. Cause there's so many different elements. So, I mean, Dave put together, um, what you mean Bismarck? And what you mean Bismarck? Oh, and, and that's not in the woods. What you, believe? what you mean Bismarck? You know, and then you got stuff like I Am I Be What I put together. Stone Age. Is yeah. And then you got, you know, all the songs that Pops put together, like the intro and what was the single off that record? Uh, Break of Dawn. Break, Break of Dawn, you know. Pos had the idea of putting Break It On together. I added some little one or two things in there. But, you know, it's initially like his idea. So Break It On samples Michael Jackson. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming y'all had to clear that oh, very yeah, obvious yeah, yeah. sample. What? After, uh, did, did we go through this Three Feet High and Rising debacle? Yeah. <laughs> and here y'all are. Here y'all are. Three, you know, two albums later, sampling the biggest <laughs> artist in the world. I mean, was it hard to clear that record? Like, did you have to jump through some hoops? Did Mike have to listen to it? Like uh, That I didn't know, but apparently it got cleared. So, okay. it, it, you know, he must have liked it. Okay, you cool. Because he was still living there. Right. <laughs> and he was actively controlling his... And his, other people's yeah, catalogs. Yeah, his catalog. <laughs> so, you know, that, I mean, that was, that was a blessing. Because as we made it, and I remember we were putting it together, and it's like, man... It's that, and it's Break a Dawn, uh, 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 Smokey Robinson. Smokey Robinson. Yeah. I was like, yikes! Yeah, you know, De La Soul's well loved. Mm-hmm. You know, it's still well loved, so that helps a whole lot. So, what was the process like? Okay, so let's say Paz puts, he starts to put that beat together in like his home studio or something. He brings it in, and y'all say, okay, 
we're, we're going to lay this down. Like, where are y'all recording? Like, where are y'all, where are y'all putting everything together at? Well, what we did even before we went into the studio, like regular studio, Paul, I got this idea. Cool, bring it by the house. Okay, they bring it by the house. Had a more, I guess, established setup than they had. Mm-hmm. Still, kind of just demo studio stuff, but more established. And then we recorded at my house because then we're able to do the vocals. We can mix it, whatever. And then we get a good idea of what it is. And then by the time we got into the studio, it not is it only sequenced and everything, we could just go in and knock out everything quickly. And it's mostly just re-recording the vocal at that point? Yeah, it's re-recording the vocal. Like, I still have a, a lot of these. I have the original things that we did at the house. You know what I'm saying? I have the first breakdown. I have a lot of these these songs in there, like, infant stages, you know? Uh-huh. That's kind of a, a overview of where y'all were coming from production wise, like listening to the jazz and wanting that kind of more mature sound, having the JBs do the horn parts. Yeah, but you know, it, it wasn't that it, we didn't go in thinking that. It mm-hmm. just turned out that way. Okay. And I think part of it is just where they were at at the time. It, it, everything kind of, especially if you do it organically and you do it, and no pun intended, from the soul. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Take you a know, drink, folks. Take a drink. <laughs> it, it's going to come out the way it, you know, it's going to come out. And yeah, it, it doesn't hurt to have. Fred Wesley and Maceo Parker and guys yeah. who are, just, you know, w- well older than you are, who are James Brown's musicians right. and Bootsy Collins and Parliament Funkadelic all kind of, you know, playing on your record. It's going to give you a certain twist to it anyway. You got the feeling working with those guys that they were really like, you know, down with hip hop. Like they because, you know, a lot of musicians from that era, like you're saying, sometimes they didn't have that respect for hip hop. Right. Yeah, I, I think they understood. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I, I can't, you know, sit there and say, yo, Maceo loved, you know, hip hop and he did. But I think they understood the music and that to me comes first. Even for when I listen to music now, mm-hmm. like a lot of stuff, I'm like, eh, but I understand why right. kids like it. You know what I'm saying? So I think so they had a certain amount of respect. And plus, De La Soul doesn't make bad music. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like if we made some really crappy stuff, they might have been like, ah, we don't know if we put an imprint on it. And as I always say, the common denominator, a check doesn't hurt either. Yeah. That budget part. That budget part. That <laughs> a part. check does not hurt. You that know? part. <laughs> Lyrically, I think this album is very interesting. Coming off of De La Soul is Dead, where they were dealing with having celebrity, having fame, and what that meant for like them and walking around in the hood and then like people running up on them in demos and things that would happen <laughs> at Burger King and like all of that stuff, getting recognized like... The the things that they were trying to address seemed very obvious when it came to De La Soul is Dead. When you listen to this album, there seems to be like this, this they went in, away from clarity. Right. It seems like everything was kind of in code. Do you remember them having any conversations about not wanting to be as accessible? Not at all. A lot of these albums, we don't sit there and go, this is the direction. Mm-hmm. It's always... This is what I'm feeling at the time. This is a very emotional record. And in this album, I have to say that from my recollection, you know, they might say differently, but Poss really took the lead on a lot of this. And Mm -hmm. there was a lot of just growing up, there was a lot of ups and downs. Now, we went from making plug tuning getting some mild popularity to making three feet high rising which propelled us unexpectedly into like the stratosphere into mm-hmm. like pop music territory then to go to de la soul's dead and kind of back down to earth you know what I'm saying and then making this album where people are going are you going to fail or are you going to do do good you know usually the third album is the album that everybody goes mm. that's where it wasn't usually in hip-hop it's like third album was always you know, make a break. Right. What was what were Tommy Boy's expectations like for De La Soul? At I the think time? Tommy Boy, of course, always expects quality and expects good music from De La Soul. And uh, as far as sales, you know, everybody's hoping to have another three feet high and rise. And mm-hmm. you know, as far as just like a popular album, but you gotta understand, Tommy Boy at this time is having multiple successes with House of Pain, I Queen Latifah, right. Naughty by Nature. So you know. They're kind of in a different place, too. They're not necessarily leaning on you They're y'all. not leaning on De La Soul as much, you know. I, I would say almost to a point where they might have been slightly preoccupied with everybody else and the success of everybody else and doing other things than putting that on De La Soul. Right. So they're not coming into the last minute saying, yo, we need a radio single. No, nah, I mean, which is kind of like the gift and the curse. It's kind of good because they kind of leave you alone. But at the same time, you know, how much care 
and attention are you getting because mm-hmm. you know now you have all these other powerhouses on the label and it's essentially a small label it's not like right. there's tons of people working on things so you're sharing a staff of people who have to be emotionally invested and time and energy in multiple projects right right and it feels like y'all were making this album by yourselves like in a bunker it seems like y'all were kind of crafting this sound when i say that things sound like they were kind of in code it sounds like y'all were speaking a lot to each other in the music yeah it was a lot of personal stuff yeah if you listen to uh especially on my like yeah yo when we recorded that well let, let me give you if, if it's okay if i talk about this the initial when i had the beat and i played it at the house and i played it for the guys because it was like yeah they came by the house and i was just playing different things and they're like yo let's use that I didn't have the intention of anybody ever rhyming on that. I, like, I rocked it at my house as an instrumental for myself, huh. not for them. And I was almost upset when they said we want to rhyme. I was like, no, you couldn't destroy the record. <laughs> it's good as an instrumental. Like, I just vibe to it. Right. But when we wanted to record it, and I know Poss was... I don't, he was going through some stuff at the time. Apparently, you know, very emotional guy. Most, I think, real MCs and real people are pretty emotional. Yeah, you know, you know sure. what I'm saying? So, and that's where the artistry comes out, right? And when he first laid down that rhyme, because he was the catalyst for starting everything. I think he actually wrote all the rhymes. He might have wrote Dave's rhyme, too. Okay. It. That's how inspired he was. But when he first laid down that rhyme, yo, I could just feel a chill coming down my spine. I was like... God, like, yeah. yo, like, it, it was just, he was, it, it, even to this day when I listen to it, I'm like, yo, that's really, like, it's really intense. Like, you can feel, you can tell he's hurt by a lot of things. Let's check out some of that. I'm going to start it off, and we're going to end up hearing how the song builds, too, because I think that's really okay. important to it. And then um, we'll hear part of Paz's verse. When, now? I am Shorty. I be for 11. I am, I be, I am, I am. I am, am Shorty. I am Patrick. I'll do that again. I am short. I be 4'11. I am Jack. I am short. 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 I am Pasta Noose. I be the new generation of slaves here to make papes to buy record exec rates. The pile of revenue I create, but I guess I don't get a cut because my rent's a month late. Product of a North Carolina cat who scratched the back of a pretty woman named Hattie. Who departed life just a little too soon and didn't see me grab the plug tune fame as we go a little something like this. Look, ma, no protection. Now I got a daughter named Ayana Monet. And I can play the Ooh, I love that song. song, man. That's a beautiful song. I think that, I mean, Pass to me and Dave are great lyricists, but I think that's one of Pass's like, best lyrics. I mean, yeah. as far as just like. The weight of it. Yeah, for real. Consistent weight. Because, you know, like I said, there's a lot of stuff that sounds like it's in code on the album, but that's a song where he's laying down like very clear statements (laughs) on things. You know, he talks about his daughter. He talks about his mom. He talks about native tongues. Yeah. He has a very potent line about, you know, we said we were natives to the end. Nowadays, we don't even speak. Yeah, and that was very real back then. Yeah, yeah. And it, but it's wild. It's like Q-Tip is on the song doing one of the AMIB <laughs> parts. Drez is on the song doing one of the... You know, I wonder how did that reverberate through the people around? Like once he laid that down on wax, once that was something that people could pass around and hear like, oh, did y'all hear what Pa said? Like, did that affect anybody in the scene, anybody coming around? Well, looking from the outside because i can't say what conversations pos had afterwards with right. them like if they were on the phone talking about at least he never mentioned it to me i didn't see any backlash mm-hmm. because i think part of it two people are always going to say well, that ain't me right i did the intro for imib <laughs> exactly i guess i guess that gives you a little shielding if you was, if you was at the session oh he must not be talking about you me you know there was tension like things changed you understand like when we did the first album man everybody was in the room the laying out rhymes and whatever and then as time went on, 
talk to my manager. Right. You know, it, it stunts the, the creative process when, okay, I'm right. Uh, can't quite write this until I get some type of clearance, buddy. You mm-hmm. know, and that's what the labels and everybody, because everybody has something at stake. You know, right. you know, label doesn't want you rhyme with this because they want to get a cut of it. or Exactly. They want, or they want you to do a feature on their record. Like, everything is negotiated. It becomes business. Yeah. And not just a vibe and people around in the creative process. Yeah, you just can't just sit there and like, yo, let's do whatever. It all changes. It's almost like having kids on the playground. It's like, I can't play with you until my mom says so. You know, so, so this little game we're playing here, I, I really got to walk away right now. Wow. But either that or you got to give me some candy. <laughs> <laughs> and my mom has to clear the... <laughs> but, you know, I think part of that pain being laid bare on, like, you know, how he was feeling about the crew and how he's feeling about everything is kind of what makes that song so beautiful. Yeah, you know. it's, it's, it's a deep song. Like, like I said, I sat there and I just I had to chill in my smile. I was like, yo, a few vivid memories of me making songs. But that one, I remember being in the in the booth and just like, whoa, mm-hmm. yo, that's incredible. And I'm giving him all his praise. Like, yeah, you know, thanks. <laughs> he was very cool with it. You know, I might have had him do it over again. I don't remember because that's just how Paul is. <laughs> <laughs> I felt it. I cried, but I didn't boo-hoo. Do it again. <laughs> make me hurt this time. Yeah, make me hurt. Man, I, 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 you know, I'm right there. <laughs> so I mean, cause like, so that's that's a song that I think has has very clear meaning. It's about self definition. It's about like really carving out your space as you know an emotional being, especially for them with their journey in hip hop this long. And there's other stuff where like there's a central theme throughout the record, like stick a bush and might blow up, but it won't. Oh, go egos pop. and yeah. yeah. Can can you talk a little bit about what that stuff was supposed to mean? I always say from my perspective is just the egos uh-huh. in, in hip hop at the time and and also like how you're on one day and everybody likes you yeah. and then your record is not doing well and then it kind of just like, eh, the next thing. Now it's your boy they like. Yo, and I thought that was so brilliant how y'all had, you know, well, Paz says that and then like he's talking about people sweating dreads and like dread is like right there. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> yep, that's a good example. And that's what they experienced. Like I said, you know, it, it's different when you had such an extreme amount of success. Like going from nobody to somebody to uh you're all right. Mm-hmm. You know, to it's so they've seen all levels of it. You know, some people might not get to the stardom that they have, so they don't get to see that. Mm-hmm. Or they might get to whatever level, or maybe some people just stay up. You know what I'm saying? And who knows? Which never really happens. But, you know, but they had got to see it at all levels. So it, it you're sensitive to those things and you watch those things. And, you, you know, I know me personally, you know, from ex- uh, personal experiences, you know, being able to call Russell and Leo Cohen mm-hmm. and you get them on the phone and them wanting to talk. And then getting to a point where they won't even accept my calls. Wow. Imagine that from friends and people and girls and everybody. Hey, what's up, man? Sorry, he's not in right now. (laughs) (sighs) There's there's another refrain on the album like this gets about crossing over. Why are niggas always crossing over something, huh? What's the matter, huh? They can accept our music as long as they can't see our faces. Was the group getting pressure to cross over and like make songs for different audiences? Oh, always. I mean, I, I think, especially if you attain an amount of success, even though I said that they don't have, you know, it's like the gift and the curse of, you know, having the label on you and not on you. Also, you have the label still wanting to make money and still remembering what success you had. Right. Remembering <laughs> that it went gold. Remembering yeah. That, yeah. Remembering, you know, that you were number one on top 100, top this, top this. We topped a lot of charts. So, you know, they don't forget that either. Cause that, you know, that's a lot of buddy, <laughs> 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 you know? So yeah, you, you, you do have that pressure and sometimes you do have that pressure for yourself as well. You've had that success, but you, you, you're caught in the middle cause you don't want to blatantly sell out. Right. But what would sellout even look like for them at that point? Sellout is probably doing whatever's popular and right. staying away from what made you get there. Right. And just kind of like, okay, who's popping? It's almost like nowadays. Who's ever the popular person, whatever the popular sound is, everybody copies and pastes it and just try to put their voice on it so they could get a hit. And this was the complete opposite of no, that. Y'all are going even further in developing the most original and like true authentic sounding thing that y'all wanted to hear yeah but like i said without saying that it just Mm kind of things just 
came out that way. Right. And that, that's the beautiful thing about these albums, all of them, is that we don't sit down at a, at a round table and go, well, this album we're going to do, and we're going to, the, the vibe is going to be this. It's compile the music, what works together. Because, you know, we could record some songs, but if they don't work collectively, then that's going to, you know, kind of mess everything up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Ask You What Sticker Bush was about, I was also curious about, like, the eye patch. The album starts with a song about the eye patch. And Dave was rocking the eye patch a lot at the time. <laughs> oh, Dave would always cover one eye. Yeah. Yo, that's something you have to ask Dave about. Probably oh, okay. at that time, I probably knew. You know what I'm saying? Because right, right. we talked about it. I know I asked I asked him, but we're talking about, man, how many, almost 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, so I don't remember. Was the Patty Duke a real dance? Oh, yeah. Um, doing the spanking, doing the Patty Duke. That was in the 80s, man. Okay, Come see. on, we talk about New York 80s man, dance. Man, I wasn't outside, man. I wasn't outside <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm sure if you Google the Patty Duke, you get up there and find out, which was named by, you know, the show Patty, Patty Duke. Duke and, yeah. and it was kind of an adaptation of whatever dance she did on that show. And, you know, hip hoppers, especially in the 80s, found ways of doing a lot of dance. There was the Smurf. There was yeah. the Patty Duke. There was the E.T., you know, there was I don't a, remember the ET. Ah, the, uh, I do it for you now, but you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, there's, there's all those different dances. You don't have that anymore. You don't have like name dances anymore. Do you? The kids was doing the jerk a little bit ago. They got this other little thing now. I forget what it's called, but they got all kind of little moves now. They floss dance. You know what I mean? Like they, they got, they got dance moves. Oh, kids okay. always, they always make up new dance moves. Right, okay. They always make them new dance. Yeah, I wasn't sure if there was like, you know, a staple name of a dancer, but I see certain dances that all kids do. Yeah, and then they do have names because my kid is like, nah, that's not the that's not the flex, that's the whoop whoop. You know what I mean? Like he, he you know, he be he be, he's on it. it. He be yeah, he be on it. He be on it. Uh they got this thing they all do on TikTok right now. I forget what it's called, but they they all do it. What? They all do it. Okay, yeah. show me, how's it go? I don't know. It's but like it, you started it's, it's it. like a it's it's like this thing. They just like they <laughs> That's, oh, I know you're doing just, like you just do, and that's the thing. That's it. And I, I, I you know, I'm sorry yo, y'all can't see. I know some of yo, y'all can see. That's funny because I did that around my daughter's joking because I seen somebody on on one of the NBA channels do it, and I was like, that looks dumb. And I just went like this, and she went, ah, "Don't do that again, Dad. That's embarrassing." <laughs> She's just getting on me. Damn, y'all be really roasting each other. What? The, the Prince Paul household is just full of roasting. Oh, man. Uh, Multi-generational roasting. Look, man, don't walk in my house, man. <laughs> everybody be on you. Blah, 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 blah. We're just all over anybody that's and everybody. That's the environment you created, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, just, just keep you on your toes, man. So why get roasted in, uh, you know, in the public? It doesn't hurt as bad. I'm sensitive, but I'm not as, as sensitive as I would have been. Well, what had happened was... So there's different vibes on the album, uh, one thing that makes it really special, aside from just even having the JB's horn section, you know, Maceo and Fred Wesley, y'all have a full-blown jazz song on that album. No raps. It's like five minutes. Of it's five jazz. minutes long? I think it's five I didn't minutes. realize it was that long. I think it's a five-minute Jeez. song. What is that discussion like? You know, somebody has to convince somebody this is, this is okay. Nah, it, it wasn't even a convincing thing. It's like, man, come on. Think about this. You got Fred Wesley, Maceo Parker. You got like everybody from JBs. Yo, they're rocking. They, we're talking about like music we grew up on. We're talking about like icons. And and if they're just sitting there just warming up playing and, right. you're, just, and you're just recording. And that's all we was doing was like, yo, you just play. You know, very little guidance. I'm like, yeah, maybe this. Or he yeah, has some more of that. And once we're sitting there, we're, we're just like grooving with him. We're like, yo, man. This is dope. We got to put it on the album. You know what I'm saying? It's like, will it fit? Eh, we don't know. But it's just, we got these icons. Right. Like, you know, it's like, do you throw that away? You, you know? can't. You know, another thing that I think is great about it, though, in that song, but every place the horns are on the album, it's like I was saying earlier, it's not like y'all just took stuff and looped it. Like, it's infused. Like, it's mixed beautifully, like these horn parts. Was that your mixing, too? 
think probably Bob Power probably mixed okay. this album, like uh, if I remember correctly. He is on IMIB, so he was definitely there. Yeah, Bob Power is, is like the, the hip-hop iconic engineer. Yeah. Uh, Bob Power, you there? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like, you know, and we actually used Bob Power on um, on the first Step record, I think. He's, okay. that, that's how long Bob Power goes back, you know. I used him at the time, and I would use my man Scotty Hart, who I still work with to this day. Uh, phenomenal engineers. And yeah, that makes all the difference, because when you're trying to put live instrumentation and samples together mm -hmm. you don't want one to kind of just dominate yeah you, you know what i'm saying it's like trying to put a suit on with some sweatpants which people do <laughs> I, i'll admit i haven't seen it but i'm yeah. sure it's happened yeah but you know you want to make it look seamless like right. they belong and that's how we try to do with the music and good engineers can, can do that they really carved out the space for everything to sit in its own space and usually you know a lot of times when you have horns especially on rap records they usually sit right in the frequency of the voice and everything's competing yeah. with each other like everything is so painstakingly like scooped out so that everything sounds natural and that's why i say there's just there's never been an album that sounds like this i haven't even noticed when i get feedback from people like you and other people talk about the album makes me appreciate it more because doing the album when i listen back to balloon mind state I think of us recording it. When I think of us recording it, I just think of times were changing. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't the laughing, ha, 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 the whole time. And we were seriously making a record. Right. And then I think of two was my last record with them. So it being the last record, is was this the record that got me like not working with them again? Was it not as successful enough where they was like F Paul, you know, <laughs> when it comes, oh, we don't really need him. Mm. You know, I, I know my intention was only to go record to record, but man, you, you kept on bringing me back. I'm used right. to it now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, comfortable. You're part yeah, of the team. I, yeah, I'm like, man, you know, it's, you know, the, the divorce got real. <laughs> when we talk about Three Feet High and Rising, I remember a few times you you point out that you had them all go in the booth and make like orgasm noises. You know what I mean? Like you, you pointed that as like a thing that like, yeah, okay, I did that. I might have, I might have, you know, pushed it a little far at that yeah, point. Yeah, good impression of me. <laughs> um, is is there something in these sessions where you feel like, you know, they, like there was any moment you could point to to be like, eh, maybe, you know, maybe that's when I realized or they, they started to realize that there was some sort of shift and they would be moving in a different direction after this? No. Mm -hmm. If it was, it was unsaid. Right. That's what I think the beauty of a, a lot of these albums, and I'm probably repeating myself a thousand times, is just that we just did things. We just recorded. And then whatever came out at the end came out at the end. And the only the thing that we would scrutinize is what fits overall. Because we could have something there and, and it's not as good or it doesn't fit with how the album vibes and feels. It's like DJing. Like, you know, I'm not going to play Set It Off, Set It Off to the left and then play Living for the Love of You by Isley Brothers right afterwards. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, I got to keep the pace up or keep a, you know, maybe there's a break in between and I could throw in Isley Brothers. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But it has to work in sequence and feel within the album. And that's the only thing that we would do mm -hmm. and it's not much that we discard you know it might be just a handful of songs maybe it's just a beat or two right there's always tons of beats that just don't make it right because you, you can't end up using everything yeah kind of want to make a complete yeah. project that sounds cohesive yeah it's just usually beats you know some would maybe like a hook or you know a verse that somebody's demoing out i've read where dave has said that this is his least favorite de la so album and it broke my fucking heart honestly because like it's my favorite, you know what I mean? It's it's my favorite. And, and I feel like, you know, it's always tough to hear as a consumer that like, oh, the creator of this thing doesn't like this one as much as some of the other things. I mean, I don't know if you ever saw that or nah, heard that. No, nah, but it, it makes sense. It makes sense on, on a few different levels is that, I don't know, I think Dave can agree with me. His participation in this album wasn't as great or he wasn't as involved as right. he was on past albums. I really remember sitting down most of the time with just me and Paz, mm -hmm. who was just talking about putting things together. Of course, everybody contributed. Like yeah. Dave did production, did really great stuff, but you could tell his heart wasn't in it. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, like the sit down of it was really me and, and Paz kind of just arranging things and, you know, going into battery studios early and putting everything together. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Yeah, his thing, I didn't know he would say it, though. Well, it was a shock. But I've learned over the years that, like, there's this thing that happens in a lot of press where right. they got the artist doing an interview with him so they can hype up the new project. 
and they feel like they got to say something about the last one. Right, you know right. what I mean? They're like, I remember reading when Beats, Rhymes, and Life came out or the Love Movement came out, that last Tribe album. They were saying something about how, oh, you know, Beats, Rhymes, and Life, I was, you know, I, I was in a dark space. It wasn't really, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Some things. And I'm like, damn. <laughs> like, right, 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 like right. y'all got to diss the old one to talk about the new one. I like the old one, too. But that's something that I've seen a bunch. But in this one particular interview, I think Dave was saying that he felt like that album had gotten like, it was like too far out in terms of being like something people could relate to is what is what he was saying yeah i could see that like i said he was detached from it for the most part like i said you know it's one of those things that you would have to ask him but just from my personal memory yeah yeah you know it was a very it was a shifting of times you know like i said which led to stakes is high which is ironically one of my favorite daylight records that i'm not really a part of Mm -hmm. you know Things were kind of leaning towards a certain way. There's a certain level of maturity, I think. And part of it, too, is I think what I brought to the the band, they might about grew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, At this the point, orgasm noises. Yeah, they were, yeah, they was know, done. It was done. Oh, man, come on, man. Paul's been 18 since he was 18. <laughs> I won't put that on a shirt, man. I've been the same way. I'm giggling. And if dudes is mad serious, you know, if they're the Ozzy brothers and I'm straight set it off, we're not really gelling together. And back then, I couldn't see it because I was all in my emotions. But looking back, I, it all makes sense why things didn't move forward. And by Dave saying that is very telling of why it didn't move yeah, forward. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, the next album comes out and it does seem more, like, grounded, right? Like, he's right. doing laundry in the video, you know what I mean? Right, like, right, right. is sitting on the basketball hoop. Like, it got less whimsical and kind of more street, but not more street in, like, the hardcore sense. Right, more right. street and it's like, no, we're dudes that live on the block and we don't necessarily like what's going on around us, but, like, we are here. Yeah. You know I mean, and that totally fit them. And, and that's why I think this album is like the, and I say this often too, is the gift and the curse because, like I said, when I th- think of this album, I think of like not working with them anymore and just certain, it's a little darker for me. Yeah. But it's the one that Chris Rock was like, yo, aside from psychoanalysis, I love Balloon Mind State. It's my favorite Daylaw record. I'm like, Balloon Mind State? <laughs> that record's not funny. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and they're just all like, yo, Balloon Mind State. And he went, goes on, even to this day. That's the best Daylaw record ever. I'm, I think, you know, to me, that's that's how I feel. You know? That was Dave Chappelle, too. Yeah. And Chris Rock. And we're, proved- all, we're all geniuses. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and Chris proved it to me because when Dave came to the studio and was recording uh, Chris's album, he was like, Dave, what's, what's, what's your favorite Daylight Records? Oh, Balloon Mind State. I'm like, what? <laughs> it, that blew my mind. He's like, oh, man, that's it. And he went on and on about Balloon Mind State. It's like, and Chris like, yo, comedians love Balloon Mind State. Why do you think that is? I have no idea. You know, I even asked, like, why? He's like, I, I don't know. He probably gave me some Chris Rock random answer. <laughs> you know, but I was, it really freaked me out. I was like, wow. And as time went on, a lot of my work got based on Balloon Mind State. So it was just so weird that that record had brought me future work and mm-hmm. more interest in, you know, working with Prince Paul because it definitely put the nail in the coffin for the Taylor Soul, right. which, which, which was good too. I'm, I'm glad it ended at this album. I think I ended on an uptick, right. which, which, which is nice. If something was going to go wrong in y'all's collaboration, it would have ended up sounding like that in the next project. Yeah. And, and, and y'all split on a great note and both went on to do awesome things. Yeah. And I say again, we started Stakes is High together. I still got some of the demos that we did at the house. You know what I'm saying? You're just always teasing us, man, with all of this, <laughs> all of this hidden bonus <laughs> yeah, material we yeah, can't yeah, never have right yeah. here. I'll release it on, what, what's that? What's on that Patreon? Uh, yo, I'll release it on Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> As I learned about today from... Uh, my esteemed host. Yeah, I had, we, we have um, Stakes is High, which is nice, but I wasn't really a huge part of it. You right. know, I started and then I got kind of, I wouldn't say got fired. I almost boot, I booted myself really. Yeah. Because, you know, we were just arguing about petty stuff or disagreeing about petty stuff. And I was like, uh, it's time for me to move on. But it was like aesthetic stuff or like production choices. It's almost like when you're in a relationship and things are bad, but then you bring up something little. And, and it turns really, into something Yeah, big. it's really the overall thing. Right. Like, you really got to keep it close folded over here. And <laughs> da, da, da. But that's really not the problem. It's just other things. But right. the little thing just ticks everything off. Right. And I think that's what it was with this. Because it ended off where I remember we were at my house. And it was about a hi-hat. 
I was like, oh man, it's cool the way it is. And then, you know, they wanted it a little more on. And I was like, you can't look at the computer. You got to go by your ears. Mm. And, and then it came out. Other things came out about, you know, oh, I don't want to get into detail, but I got blamed for them not wanting to do or sound like they wanted to sound like it was my sound. Mm. Like three Rise rising shoot was you. It was more of your personality. More with it. And I was like, it's supposed to be us. And that's the reason part of the reason De La Soul special to me because it was anti-Stetsasonic where I felt like I was that person in Stetsasonic where I wasn't getting a say-so right. enough. And there was a lot of people in the group and, and rightfully so. I was a young kid and I could see them feeling that way. But me being an adult and starting something new, I wanted that everybody to have a voice. So apparently they didn't feel that way. They didn't feel like they had a voice. Yeah, I feel like I guess I was manipulating it. And maybe so. The sound changed a lot when I left. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? So... That's the direction I guess that they wanted to go in. So that kind of hurt, you know, because yeah. even like, especially when you try to do just the opposite, right? You when know? you're trying to make it where it is democratic, yeah, yeah, Daylocratic. <laughs> you know what I mean? Daylocratic. Yeah, it, I understand if I was like, I could sit back, and go, yeah, I could see that, you know, but I couldn't at the time, right? You know, but I don't know. Maybe I was. Maybe I'm just gangster like that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You secretly top cat. No, Daddy O was Daddy O was overt top cat. You secret top cat. No, but it worked out for the best though. It, it. I mean, them parting from me was, I think, really good for them at the time, and me parting from them forced me to create and build up me as an individual. Right. I would I would have not made Psychonauts. I would have not branched off and did all the things I've done if I was still with Dayla. Right. And that's factual because I was very comfortable working with them. Right. I would just, you know, wait for the next year, let's do the next record. And right. I was good with that. Mm -hmm. But I panicked. I got to a point where I was just like, oh my God, this is my last record. Like, what am I going to do? Mm -hmm. God, my career's over. I got this little, you know, college degree. I guess I got to work. I don't want to work. <laughs> I don't work a regular job. You know, but I guess I have to. I got a son. I just going through this custody thing. There was so much going on at the same time. It all worked out because I, I sat. This is something that was calculated. I sat and I was like, how do I get people to know Prince Paul? And how do I separate me from De La Soul and my sound from what their sound is. Mm. So I went extremely silly, Paul. And that's what turned into psychoanalysis. That's turned psychoanalysis and everything. So I'm going uber creative because I think they're going to go more mature, which, right. is, which works for them. I'm going to go all in my brain and just go boop. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, that, and that worked for me. That separated me from them. And that made me really focus on my name because look, I don't rhyme. Right. So, man, that goes against me. I'm not really social like that. You don't see me like hanging out, man, it goes Paul, you know, with, uh, with Shaka Khan, you know, <laughs> at, at, the, at the Bijou. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really quiet to myself. I don't make commercial records. I don't play well with others as far as like, you know, with, with, the, with the labels and like, man, make this pop record. I don't do none of that. Right. So how do I do this? So I sat and thought and thought and thought. And it's like, yo, I'm just going to carve my lane as ill as it is because it's got to be people who like that and who can feel that. And I, man, by the grace of God, woo, I was blessed. And, and I lucked out at the same time as I kiss up again. <laughs> it could have all went awry, it man. It woo. could have. It could have. Y'all, You and Daylight could have decided to trudge through and make a fourth album together and it could have fucked all of y'all oh up. it could have <laughs> and you know and, and they would have really hated me then. <laughs> you know what I'm saying it's like man I felt the heat then <laughs> I mean I have to say since then we've always been cool y'all have worked together you know five six times it feels like between and like on different projects yeah all of them, my projects yeah <laughs> 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 I want to add that. Okay, I, that, I, that, I, don't, I don't know if I've been asked to the, to, to the ball. <laughs> that makes sense. That does make sense. Because you, okay, you haven't done any production on any of their albums after Balloon Monster. Nah. Okay. Nah, that, that was it. And it's cool. I just want to really just state for the record, I'm happy for them. I'm happy yeah. the direction they went in. I understand why they don't work with me. I get it. I understand. I don't think I'm that much of a bad guy, but I think I couldn't be a strong personality. For sure. You know what I'm saying? And especially in that position where you were the mentor and you did have a little more experience and you did know your way around the studio a little better. So I think that does give your opinions a little extra weight where people feel like, oh, who am I to say something if he's saying this? Yeah, it could be that. Maybe I wasn't to. Maybe I was like the Suge Knight of you was. Native Tongue. You was throwing, you was throwing, uh, <laughs> throwing dashiki dudes out the window, man. <laughs> I, I could have been. But it, like I said, it, it all worked out. And so just to put it together in one nice, neat package is 
that's why listening to Balloon Mind State, there's so many emotions. It's a good nostalgic feeling. It's a sad feeling. It's coming of age feeling for the group, for the band. Right. It's, wow. It's yeah. really something. Who dissed you in the source? You had the interlude, the little voicemail interlude. You love your little I'm, voicemail oh, yeah. interlude. <laughs> no, no, I didn't know Pops was going to put that on there. I For real? <laughs> yeah, I left, I left it on his answer machine, man. See, so that's why I got got. You know what I'm saying? Like, you deserved it. I, I, I did it. <laughs> Been and, tricking people on the phone and, for years. And, and I couldn't, like, really be mad at him. You know what I'm saying? I couldn't, like, always take it off. I was just like, you know, yeah, I'm get him, I'm get him, I hate him. That's <laughs> the last thing I do. All right, have a good day. Peace. I think it's something like that. You can record this and put this on a record. I hate them, I hate them. And it was, it's almost exactly like that. It's yeah, almost. He exactly. dissed me in the sauce. He dissed me for the record that I made. Yeah, it was a slick Rick record that I did, and they gave Warren G credit for a record that I produced. I'm like, hey, Warren G. I was like, I did that. I'm the one who went out to Marinette, New York, when they got Slick Rick out of prison and recorded the vocals, and they didn't use my mix, which I thought my mix was better at the time <laughs> you know i'm not gonna lie now it's the warranties i get it and i appreciate it but then i was like i was just angry yeah i was like yo yeah warren g produced behind bars he did this i was like what that was me mm. he remixed behind bars but he didn't produce behind bars you know it's, it's semantics man did you ever go get at that writer did you show up with the baseball bats did you nah i wasn't mad at the, the writer i was just mad at the source in general i was I like see. man how could they f that up it, you know I, plus I, I was losing love with all the periodicals at that point anyway you know i was like the the darling like i could do no wrong for a long time it's like Everything Paul does is amazing. Even stuff I thought was this. Like, oh my God, he does it again. <laughs> you know, exclamation point, all caps. That guy is, he's the, he's the, you know, American sweetheart. You know, and then at some point it's like, man, that dude. <laughs> and it's real. I was like, yo, this is really happening. Oh my God. I don't think I'm that great, but I was great for a minute. <laughs> and that's, that's part of the spirit of the album too. Like you said, it's that part where Paz is talking about how people used to sweat them in the streets and now they're looking at black sheep. You see the world start to move on from you as being the focal point. For most of us who have never gotten to those highest heights, it's hard to imagine what that must feel like. You know, like you say, you go from nothing, you go gold, you exceed everybody's expectations of what you can do. You get in your groove, you're doing your thing, and then the sound starts to move on. People start to move on. I mean, it's just a tough thing to deal with. Man, it's like a relationship, man. Imagine, you know, when you first start dating a girl, man, she's like, oh, my God, it's great. And things kind of don't go as good. Then after a while, she's looking, well, Avery has a BMW. <laughs> and she's coming home talking about everything else. Right. But brings your name up in disdain. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> that's what it's like, man. You go, what? Then you start to hate Avery. Avery, yeah. man, I'm going kill him when I see him. And you, there's no reason for you to hate him. Right. Just, you know, and that's the feeling. You start to feel all hurt and lonely. Like, man, what, what happened? I don't know how much direct experience you had with that, but like, if Dela is losing favor in terms of people thinking they're the hottest thing and Black Sheep is, you And know, that's at the label, too. Like I said, keep, uh -huh. you know, remember, like I said, we're not as, when you Pop. got a label that's, Tombo was Popping at that time, there's all these platinum records and yeah, House of Pain was giant. Yeah, Queen Naughty Latifah's by Nature's giant. Yeah, Naughty what? by Nature's giant. They were doing it big time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think what makes it even more interesting, though, and I keep coming back to this because it's like it's not often that the next thing that gets hot is something that's also in your crew or in your family. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the native tongues, like y'all had black sheep as like. The next thing, like that song was huge. Oh, that so, was you still is. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, within the crew, like, does that make it even weirder if like there's somebody else in the family who's coming up while other people are kind of plateauing? I think it does make it weird. I don't think they would say that. Everybody would respectfully say, I'm proud for the other person, which they are. But there has to be some there's type something, of something. There's some emotion there's gotta there. be. I mean, come on, man. Imagine, you, you, like I said, I hate to put this on relationship in girls, but it makes it more relatable. Here comes your little brother. You know what I'm saying? And he's like, with a plane in the yard. He grows up. Now he got a little mustache. And he goes <laughs> to the gym. And they go, oh. <laughs> I see Sean has been like really working out. And he looks great. And then you just didn't diss. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Oh, I have to, man. But man, that's how it, it sounds like I experienced all these things. It does. Yeah, yeah. Man. <laughs> I don't have no little brother, but yeah, it, you know, I've had some rough relationships, ladies and gentlemen. It's, just, it's really shaped my life, man, and my career. <laughs> so you've run into people 
all the time who say this is their favorite. Oh De yeah, Wait, album. I, it amazes me. Do you have a favorite Dale Soul album? Mm. Pick amongst your children, Paul. Mm. Which one's the best? I would have to say, if I had to pick one, it'd have to be the first album. Three Feet High Rise. Yeah, it, just because of just the memories from it. And it was our first record, and it was very innocent. And I didn't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. They listened to me blindly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and we just laughed. It was just so much laughing. You know, as the records went on, I mean, I think there's better songs on the other records. Mm-hmm. But the process of making an album and looking back fondly on the process of making a record would have to be Three Feet High and Rising. I would even say that they would have to say the same thing themselves. I mean, they didn't. And maybe they wouldn't. But as a collective, man, we was having so much fun. Like, you just couldn't wait to go into the studio the next. I mean, you should always feel that way, right? But I was like, oh, my God, we're going to the studio. Ah, it's going to be this. It's going to be that. You're like, it was just exciting. And I think having the outcome of that record being so successful made it even sweeter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're like, whoa, I didn't expect this. Like I said, y'all come out with Three Feet High and Rise and exceed everybody's expectations. De La Soul is Dead, I think, does pretty well commercially, too. Uh, De La Soul is Dead, I think. I would like to say this. Now, whether the, the numbers reflect this is always questionable between the label. <laughs> right, and the accounting. <laughs> and and, and the accounting. I would put it like this. Three Feet High Rising is platinum plus De La Soul's Dead is gold. Give or take a couple hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And probably Balloon Mind State is underneath gold. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe like 300, 400,000. If, if I was to rate, think about sales. What did Tommy Boyd think? I mean, what was their reaction when y'all turned this album in? Did y'all get any specific feedback from them? I don't remember them... I don't know if I wasn't there. I don't know if there was a big, crazy thing going on Time Boy, but I don't remember too much backlash. I don't remember too much, oh, this is great. It's almost like, oh, this, you know, stay lost what they do. But we got a lot of money coming from this part right over here. <laughs> so, you know, they, they were cool. It wasn't too much. Hey, we need this record. Uh, we need that. I guess not having the pressure made them kind of a little more hands off. I don't remember any kind of emotional thing from their part of it because it did seem you know from outside looking in, like they were really working the singles i remember seeing the videos everywhere like for break of dawn and ego trip well they had a bigger machine too right. you know like i said it's so much give and take it's so much hands off maybe emotionally but then again now there's more money to work those things so mm-hmm. you might see it in other ways so where there was like probably physical manual blood sweat and tears labor in the early side which you kind of appreciate now you just got a machine and some money to kind of mm-hmm. just do those things that you would have put your emotions so, in. Yeah, it it takes the place of the marketing yeah. side. Yeah. Because one of those singles was Ego Trip. And Ego Trip is a very wild song. I love that song a lot. Yeah. Again, it's nothing like it. Right. And it's a song that's kind of, it's them piecing together lyrics and kind of referencing other, other lyrics. songs yeah. and like hollering and screaming and a lot of like posturing. You know what I mean? Dave was, was involved in this one a lot too. And, and that's why you could hear the difference in the songs too. But did he come with the screaming idea? I think that was him. Ah, ah, ah. Yeah, I think that was him. It sounds like him. He can't tell because yeah. he's screaming. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it sounds like his idea. I want to play a little bit of um, Ego Trip. I'm the greatest I'm seeing in the world. You got to give me, give me mine, cause I'm heavy when I weigh in. I love that song. It's so dope. Without knowing, it seems like part of it is a commentary on, you know, the egos and hip hop and all of that, right? 
I know that there's been a history of people feeling like they got dissed by De La Soul and stepping <laughs> up to him saying all kind of I've, I've had people come up to me, yo, they dissed me. Right. Kane came up to me, yo, they dissed me. I was like, no, they didn't. I, and I only think they noticed that cats would come up to me. I was like, nah, man, you're not De La, just lyrical. Yeah. I'm just checking, though, because, you know. Right, because, you know, it's been instances where, I, you know, Tretch thought he was dissing yeah. him and it, was, it got physical. Was there ever any blowback from this particular song where they're referencing songs? And it kind of sounds like the clowning a little bit, but like, was this an instance that sparked any of those type of situations? Not that I could think of. Not on this particular record. Mm -hmm. De La Soul, in general, in a lot of the albums, is very arrogant. (laughs) Uh, I mean that in a good way, because it's almost like... It's like really snotty, and, yeah. you know, in so many ways. And it was entertaining because right. it was just how we felt. And so you'd hear that in some of the lyrics and you kind of get a sense of that. And you had mentioned that, you know, would people take offense to it? I think sometimes the sarcasm goes over people's heads mm-hmm. and sometimes they make it more than what it is. And I think that's what happened when the naughty by nature thing. Right. Because, you know, to take your naughty by nature, then you can't because it doesn't. You feed it at a base upon the wax is insane. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and and that wasn't a, a diss at all. But they took it. Like I said, Kane right. called me. Kane right. was like, yo, so but your boys. I'm like, nah, man, they don't mean it that way right. because he was angry. Yeah. And I talked him off the ledge. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. And I wasn't even involved at that point. Right. But, you know, people still knew you was connected to them. Yeah. See, that shows the love. It does. Right? I could. If I, I, I was like, man, you know, they, they, they said, you're a sucker. <laughs> right. <laughs> nah, man. I love De La Soul. I mean, despite what, you know, I was not working together. I haven't worked together for a while. I always loved them because they're part of my past. You know right. what I'm saying? They helped me establish my sound and helped me figure out who I am as a person. So when, you know, people come up, well, Paul, man, you, you know, you put them on and you did this, did that. I'm like, you never hear me boast about, well, I, 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 I. We equally helped each other, you know, and I'll always see it like that. Like, I won't take the forefront of everything. Right. You know? All I can say about Balloon Mindset at the end of the day is that it is one of the hip hop albums that is truly like beautiful, as you say that, like in a sincere way, you know, and not like a superlative, exaggerated way. Like, no, this is a painstakingly put together project with people like bringing real vulnerability, real authentic thoughts and feelings and trying some things musically that I think work brilliantly that I've only seen people like fail <laughs> trying to reproduce, you know what I mean? Like I haven't often heard live instrumentation and hip hop blended together in such a fantastically effective way. Wow, make me like the record even more. I mean, it's, it's really, 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 really dope. And it's really something else. And it's really like an album that was made in 1993 that sounds like it could have been made today. It's not often you can say that about hip hop, especially because it ends up being so much about the time space that it was made in. Well, this thing really is it stands apart. Wow. Thank you. I feel like college kids are going to be discovering this album (laughs) forever. You know what I mean? Because it's one of them things that like, oh, this is classic. Thank you. I mean, I I appreciate that. And and like I said, when I hear stuff like this, it makes me want to listen to the record over again and kind of hear it through your ears. And because like I said, when I hear it, I I just think of doomsday sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) I just think the end end times. It's the end. And and I'm on album cover too. You know what I'm saying? It's like I'm blurred out along with them. But, you know, it's a... I don't know if I would could go back in time and talk to young Paul who took that picture. It's like, yo, man, you know this is gonna be the last record you're gonna be on, so you better take this picture and really make the best of it. Yeah, like that <laughs> that water effect is just Paul's tears. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what just dripping, right? <laughs> well, uh, you know, it's, it's another instance where you know we're happy to give you the flowers while you can still smell them. You know what I mean? Um, now nah, it's great times, man. I mean, uh, uh, you know. I'm glad, like I said, I'm very glad to end off on that record. Right. And we can only feel fortunate that we can go back and check it out. I don't know how much insight you have into the business part of it, but it is, you know, unfortunate that this album ain't on streaming services because of whatever issues that uh, the group has had with Tommy Boy over the years. Is any of that, from your perspective, any closer to being solved? I have no clue. Mm -hmm. Like, I would... uh I would hope it comes to resolve soon on whomever's part, you right. know. Well, obviously, it's a collective thing. Yeah. Because it's, it'd be nice for the music to get out there. I mean, it'd we're not, be wonderful for people to be able to yeah, hear it. We're not getting any younger. And at some point, man, people might not be interested anymore. And I certainly, I don't want to be playing YouTube quality for our, for our <laughs> listeners right now, you know. I want to give them a solid 320 
KBPS MP3. You know what I mean? Yeah. Can't say enough kind, superlative, complimentary words about the project. You have any last thoughts? I don't know. I would say contact De La Soul and contact Tommy Boy and tell them to please resolve whatever is going on and let's get this record put out. That's man. real. That's a call to action, folks. It's a call to action. Call your local De La Soul member. <laughs> call your Congress, your congressman or congresswoman, and uh, you know have them contact the two parties involved, please. Where? Well, unless you got anything else on Balloon Mind no, State. man. I, I, you know, all these uh, shows got me going through some serious emotions, got you man. Man, emotions. Man, I understand, man. This is tough, man. <laughs> Jeez. It's so hard being brilliant. I don't know. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's rough like, being a genius man, for, for I, 30 years. I wish I felt that way. I, I, I told you, man, every time around, the, I'm telling everybody, around the end of the year, I go through the whole thing of why I'm such a loser and a failure and I'm not making the most out of my life. And it always happens around this time. And guess what? I'm cutting that out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is messed up, man. But uh, we're going to put this one in the books. I'm open Mike Eagle. This is uh, the one and only Mr. Prince Paul. Yep. Yep. And uh, this, is, <laughs> this has been <laughs> What Had Happened Was. Yeah.